You are listening to Here Now Podcast, where we dive deep into faith, hearing loss, and lifestyle, and talk about all the things that you need to be equipped in this journey we call life. I'm your host, Sophia Labano, and this show is here for you to find encouragement in the everyday life that God created for you. Make sure to subscribe to never miss an episode. Thanks for your support. Now let's get into the show. what's up welcome back to another episode of here now podcast i'm very excited to welcome michael mcgruther he is actually a friend of ours family friend and i thought it would be perfect to have him on the show so michael welcome thank you so much for having me and it's great to see you yeah you too it's been quite a while um but let's just dive right in tell everybody about you just give us a little glimpse into your life well how i intersected in your life is um (laughs) My family relocated here from the New York City metropolitan area. Um, You know me as the dad of somebody (laughs) at school who is always there to pick up her daughter. And, you know, a lot of dads around here have jobs that keep them far from home. But I'm a writer, so I've worked at home for many, many years. I started as a screenwriter. I originally wanted to be an actor, but something about storytelling really sang to me. And I lucked out and I sold my very first screenplay, which was Tigerland to 20th Century Fox. That was Colin Farrell's first movie. And I got on a fast moving train that took me directly into the heart of the business. And um, I mean, that's a, that's really my story. I just have a lot of extensive experience in the screenwriting, development, production, culture, everything you can think of that goes into making a movie. I've been a part of it in some way this past 25 years of my life. That's incredible. Yes. So I am ashamed to say I've never seen Tigerland, so you'll have to give me the inside look. <laughs> it's got the most F-bombs of just about any movie, so I'll warn you now. Okay. I'm all for that, though. That's awesome. <laughs> um, it's soldiers. Yes. I love it, though. That's so amazing. Um, I mean, I remember the first time we met you guys. I was like, this guy's got such a cool story. Like, it's just awesome. Um, so, yes, give us a little bit more in-depth of what living, you know, in the heart of the movie industry was like. Well, it's it's interesting because I had a very spiritual experience. Um, I, as you might know, I know your mom knows, I didn't start in my career as Catholic. I didn't start my journey as a Catholic. I'm a Catholic convert. I was converted by my experience in Hollywood which I can only explain as really knowing what it feels like to be around pure evil. Uh, The business itself is not pure evil. The act of trying to tell stories and, and, and entertain each other and make movies is not an evil thing. But somewhere along the line, before I arrived there, I think it turned into a very materialistic place with corporations getting involved and the amount of money that people chase and the power. There's a culture there that you don't know anything about until you get there. Mm-hmm. On the outside, you're like, wow, Star Wars, I would like to make Star Wars. Yeah. Or <laughs> Harry Potter, I've got an idea like that. Mm-hmm. But when you get there, uh, nobody cares about that stuff unless it's something they can make money off of. But what they're really all doing is keeping score of how much they've accumulated in power and wealth. And that is the overwhelming culture of it all. So it was a strange thing to kind of be baptized by before being officially baptized by this like dark world of worldliness. Now I've learned in our faith that worldliness is poison Mm -hmm. and you can't, you know, one of my favorite quotes is uh, a man who has great wealth and power 
he didn't find his place in this world. This world found its place in him. Mm-hmm. And to me, that that really is what happens just by default of human nature to most people who find success in a business where success can come overnight because you had a good idea or a clever story. And then suddenly you have millions of dollars and every opportunity to ruin yourself presents itself before anything good shows up. So I don't know if that's an explanation that's going to make a lot of sense to everybody, but it really is living in it is really the heart of darkness. And that's why it looks all shiny and glittery on the outside is because it tries so hard to look like fun. Uh, but what's going on inside is is not fun at all. It's very hollow. And I, I remember uh, Pope St. John Paul, the opposite of love is use. I mean, one of the, that's one of his quotes that drew me towards the church because I realized I'm in the using business. No wonder I feel so empty. I'm in the opposite of love industry. This doesn't feel right. So where's love, right? Mm-hmm. And then you begin then you begin searching for that and you find you find yourself at home eventually with the Lord. But um, that question is only, it only comes out of being in the middle of great darkness in the first mm-hmm. place for some people like myself. Wow, yeah. Do you ever watch shows on TV and know, like, I know what happened behind the scenes to go into sure. that? Sure. I mean, but there's some things are just lore that you wouldn't even care about unless you were in the business. And, you know, for example, Pretty Woman mm-hmm. is a considered a romantic comedy. However, it wasn't originally. It was a real dark movie about prostitution. Mm-hmm. Right. So there's things that you learn about how the business is just interested in in returns and money and box office. But think about what they did in that story is they made light of her situation. Mm-hmm. They took a script that started out as a real dark tale about this turn you can take uh, going that way. And they turned it into something fun and marketable. And there's women, you know, good women that are. Oh, I love that movie, Richard Gere. That's the evil. That's how it works. They don't tell stories that are embedded with things that nudge you towards the truth. The stories that are told nudge you towards a more worldly darkness. So I know all kinds of behind the scenes things that I wouldn't even share here because they're just disgusting mm-hmm. about people, you know, this movie star and this, did you hear about them? And oh, that one, you know, there's mm-hmm. a lot of, there's a lot of people out there that you wouldn't even know it that are gay. Mm-hmm. And a lot of them aren't even gay because they're like, wow, I really am that way. It was just what they had to do. So I do know those stories and I wouldn't share them here for your audience because they really, they're just nasty. Yeah, that's awful. I mean, is there ever, um, and this is probably a weird question, but is there ever something that did not have that kind of backstory? Like, is there like an exception to the story? Uh, yeah, I mean, there's lots of exceptions to the story. However, the abuse you'll see is, is you know, the products get made. You know, you can watch a great TV series and there there are great shows and there are great things and they do make it through. But it's the little pockets of power that exist. And it's why nothing really gets, t- you know, nothing gets reported. You know, what is it? It's a great sin to look the other way, right? So everybody's looking the other way just to maintain their access to the job, to the flame. I mean, to the fame, to the job, to the money. I mean, look, there's parents... Everybody thinks their their child is the cutest kid you've ever seen. <laughs> you know, five five aunts and uncles say that one's got to be in commercials. Yeah. There's people that mortgage their homes, set up shop in Hollywood, 
And as soon as their kid, they've invested so much in it and their kid like lands a show. I mean, this is the this is the journey of the Miley Cyruses of the world. Mm -hmm. uh, they bribed her father. That's a behind the scenes. Right. Uh, he, he didn't want her involved. And they and because his fame had kind of worn down, they brought them in as a team and they sent him on vacations and they sent him champagne and bottles of wine. But they actually took her and cultivated her into what she is now, wow. which is a kind of like an agent of worldliness and, and just everything to shock you so that you'll look. And it's all about getting your attention. And it's, you know, it's drawing you to something that's ugly, not beautiful. Mm. Wow. Yeah. I mean, I grew up on that show. <laughs> so to me, it's it's such a hard um, it's a hard balance to see because, you know, that there's all of this stuff that probably went into it that we have. Well, I can tell about. you I can tell you a real unverified, you know, like I'm not going to give you fact, but this is a behind the scenes story. Uh, everybody knows about the creator. Uh, his name is Dan something from Nickelodeon. Nickelodeon cut him up yep. that, you know, take a look at um, Britney Spears sister's child. And tell me he's not the dad. <laughs> right, right. And that happened when she was underage. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And there was a large payout. So, yeah, the things I know are really bad and you don't want to even just know that it all happens. It's all true and nothing you see is real. Everything is a facade. All they know, they're, the business is clever enough to put that show out and, and get it right past the parents what's going on and make it look right so that when the parents come in the room and they go, Oh, what is this about? Is you know, it's a, it's a, it's a something that seems innocent, but underneath the surface, there's always the sub, the sub message that's coming through. And that guy Dan did a, a viral video where he asked children to uh, put ketchup all over their toes and send them send the videos into him. I think you can still find this online, and it's because he had a fetish for that, mm -hmm. and he had children sending him videos of him of them putting their toes in ketchup. It was the weirdest bizarre thing but think about it from the power angle of having your hands on media you can do that and you can like like a devil you can be like watch i'll make everyone do this this week you know and so people don't think to themselves they think for themselves they're just reacting to this thing that is so important to them and that's where the equation gets really bad it's there's too much value put on the entertainment itself and and just that participation which is dark always mm, absolutely yeah, wow. I, I have heard conspiracy theories about that, but it's uh They're a true. Inside. <laughs> yeah, no, they're they're true. That's that's insane. So take us through a little bit more of your conversion story. Um was it something that happened while you were out in California? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So I was working with the director of the X-Men movies. Mm. And um I had made it so far into the business that I was just basically found myself you know, sitting on couches with a lot of celebrities, you know, smoking a joint, watching movies, going to parties, getting drawn into this world. And, you know, it's 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 like a popularity contest. It's like it's like high school with money. It really is. That's what Hollywood is. It's high school with money. So if you write a movie and Colin Farrell's in it, you're rolling with a good crowd at that moment. You know, Toby right. Maguire and his crowd. That was one thing. You know, there's there's different little gangs. And uh, so I was in a great gang. And the things that were happening weren't really making me feel good. I wasn't involved in anything that I, I can, I can look myself in the mirror every night, but I saw a lot of my friends using girls, you know, mm -hmm. girls desperate to be around someone famous. And just, I remember going out, I'm not going to name this triple A list movie star that you all love, but we walked from his hotel at the Chateau Marmont down to this 
little bar called the Trocadero. Mm-hmm. And everybody wanted to be around him. And, you know, I did too. I was like, this is pretty cool. I'm hanging out with this guy. And, you know, so I'm just like one of the girls, right? And <laughs> and then, you know, at the end of the night, one is coming back to the hotel and that's where we parked. And she looked at us all nervous. And I'm like the most innocent of them all. It was a couple of famous people. I'm the least known guy, the most removed from all that wealth. And she looked right at me and she goes, am I going to be okay? And I was like, wow, like you, you shouldn't go there if you don't, you know, mm-hmm. if you, if you, you shouldn't do this is what I'm thinking. But I'm like, uh, you know, I have no words, but another guy rolls in. He's like, yeah, he's a good guy. Don't worry about it. You'll be fine. Mm-hmm. But it was just like that arranged encounter that arranged this thing, this shiny object, this famous human being. I'm going to have this, this moment with him. I can't resist. Am I going to be okay? So I started to see things like that, that really made me think, what am I doing here? Um, I don't treat women that way. I, you know, you know, my wife, we were together then we're together mm-hmm. now. I've been one of those guys who's always, you know, been in a long-term relationship. I'm not, I'm not wired that way. And so that started the the understanding that people are used professionally. But then I started to realize how I was being used too as a screenwriter and how you go from meeting to meeting and your agents and managers, when they make a sale, they're just trying to like pile on all these friends, taking little percentages. You know, a lot of people don't realize that some of your favorite actors make less money than a regular blue collar guy because they give 10% here, 5%. It's all together. They end up with like 70% of what they're supposed to make. So it's kind of like this, this whole bad equation. And I'm fiercely independent. And I started to butt heads with the powers. And I started to just feel like I didn't fit in and I didn't quite know why. And I go on this business trip with Brian Singer to NASA. And it's a, you know, I sold a movie about mankind breaking the speed of light, you know, something really dreamy and cool. And I actually wrote it as a script about God when I wasn't even a religious person. So that's kind of interesting. And uh, we go down to NASA and, you know, he did attempt to sexually harass me in the hotel room. I stood up to him and I kicked him out. And I was like, yeah, if we're not talking about the book, you can get out of my room. Mm-hmm. And then he goes, we go back to LA and yeah, I stopped working after that. I'm blacklisted. I crossed the line. I shot down too famous of a guy. I should have taken one for the team is what a producer told me. Ooh. A producer of your, some of your favorite TV shows, including Stranger Things. Oh, wow. So I thought, this is really ugly place. Like it was getting more intensely ugly. And I was with Michelle in our little apartment. And, and I kept saying to her, I'm at this intersection in my business where I feel that I have to go completely dark side evil to get to the next level of my success or what? I didn't know what the what was. I didn't know any idea what the opposite of that was. So we go to a bookstore in Pasadena, my favorite place to hang out. And I walk in and I kid you not, the very first book that's like set up on the shelf, a new edition was printed was Mere Christianity by C.S. Lewis. Oh my gosh, wow. So so I, I'm like, well, what's this? You know, and I'm real cynical about Christianity at that point. I'm like super cynical about it <laughs> to the point where, you know, just let's just say I'm one of those guys and <laughs> I'm reading it and I open up the page. And the, if you remember the, the beginning of the book, it says uh, that there's a kind of a scene where a woman gets on a bus and why does this guy give up his seat? Why does someone stand up and give up their seat? And it's this act of kindness this simple kindness and where does it come from? It comes from somewhere and it's not coming just from you. It's coming from somewhere else. And that stopped me 
dead in my tracks because that little simple act of kindness was missing from all of my interactions, mm -hmm. missing from all my friendships, missing from every business relationship. It was it was like I saw what water was going was going to be. Bought the book, went home, read it in one sitting. Kid you not, packed everything up and moved to the East Coast two weeks later. That's insane. And then I said to my to my wife, I think I want to be Catholic. And she bought me a cross. And she never really, my wife is is a, a, a cradle Catholic like mm -hmm. yourself, but she was always, um, we weren't married yet, actually. And she was always that person in my life who lived the gospel, but wasn't too preachy at me. Mm -hmm. And I, I'll tell you something, that really worked because she could have pushed me away other ways. Anyway, she buys me the the, the cross and I start flirting with what I want to, <laughs> what I want to know more about, you know what I mean? And and it started my my journey. And then when I joined the RCIA, I went through this whole process. And as you you probably know what it is, you probably have adult friends mm -hmm. who've done it of your family. And and I converted and I and I was like, I went from up here in the world of show business to down here in the world of being small and understanding that God actually was real and loved me and answered my prayer. Because what I didn't tell you is I did lay in bed one night and ask, you know, don't let this pursuit of this career kill me. It was the one of the one times I prayed in my adult life. Mm -hmm. And I everything dramatically changed after that. I've only prayed like that twice. The second time I prayed that way was when my daughter had spent one year in public school and we couldn't find a good Catholic school where we lived. And uh, an actor in St. Malachi's in New York where all these actors get together said to me, just pray to Mary. She never let you down. And I did. And then Michelle got her job offer to move here. That's crazy. And that's how I found Villa. That's so crazy. Wow. Right? I did not know that. That's awesome. Yeah. <laughs> Sorry, I didn't mean to ramble there, but. No, no. I mean, it's such an in-depth story. How could you not? <laughs> I love it, though. I mean, it's so crazy how God kind of just shows himself. But mere Christianity, I don't know how could, you could read that in one sitting. That's a big undertaking. I'm not going to. Well, it's water. I mean, I was thirsty for it. Yeah. Yeah. It was it was like literally like tell me more, tell me more. Like, <laughs> wow. You know, and it was so hidden. It's so hidden. That's why I'm so adamant about the culture. Is it's those things are so hidden. Your parents gave you this amazing gift, giving you a faith and and staying together and all the sacrifices you guys make as a family. That is so valuable. That's more valuable than any Academy Award, any movie deal, any fame you could possibly get in this world. It's the most valuable thing and you have it and everybody else is looking for it. And I'm just explaining to you how I found my way closer to what you have. Mm -hmm. That's insane. So what is your, what's your big, I guess, mission now to try and revolutionize the culture and bring well, God? Well, yeah, yeah. Well, you know, I'm, I'm really drawn to a movement called communion and liberation. Mm -hmm. And I, I, feel like I had this meeting with this priest, this, uh, uh, what he was, um, his name is Lorenzo Albacete. He was a physicist and I wrote like all the science stuff. And he was also a priest. He's this Puerto Rican guy. And before he died, I got invited to one kind of like mystical mass with this guy. And th the group called me. And when the phone rings, it says the human adventure. Like that's what their caller ID says. Mm -hmm. And it's really where a lot of artists connect because, you know, the movement is about following your nature and your nature will always lead you to God. And I'm proof of that. I followed my nature 
and my nature exposed what the what the reality was and drew me to something that I wasn't given as a child like you. So I kind of I adopt that theory of everybody's on their own journey to understanding, you know, you're not lucky, not everyone's lucky to be born in a situation like you are. So everybody's kind of on their journey to understanding the truth and God is going to reveal it to everybody individually. And and one way to get there is through artistic expression which is revealing more and more truth. So I am actually looking at art a lot differently now. And my mission is to get young people to basically work with the culture and not be, not, not approach it with like a crucifix and holy water, Mm -hmm. but approach it with, you know, be very wise and know how to nudge and slowly pick apart all that evil that has been woven. So that's a skill that I'm, that I've developed because I know it from the inside. So I have my own podcast and I do talk a little bit about politics, but I really try to get people inspired to create their own realities and ignore the ones that are coming from a contaminated place. And, uh, you know, it's just about empowering young people to not go seek fame and fortune, but to instead be more satisfied with maybe you're an independent creator and you you're able to make, 60 to $70,000 a year with your YouTube show or with your, your, your thing. And by doing so, everybody's creations will be more authentic and those more authentic creations will more authentically reflect the views of, of all the people. And it won't be like we can be programmed to be more like, you know, more primed to be used. Because mm-hmm. if you really look at, if you really look at what show business does, your friends who are going to follow it, there's some people, you know, that are going to be well-educated, but they're going to get drawn in there if they follow that entertainment look what it's doing it's prepping you to be victimized Mm -hmm. it's you know always encouraging you to be set up so that if that person makes it all the way to the headquarters of fame and and fortune there's lots of people that know already by the look on their face easy pickings Mm -hmm. so my mission is to get people not to find themselves in that journey and also that there's a better way and it's honestly the only way because the system has completely changed yeah, absolutely. I mean, I look a lot of, um, I would say Gen Z people. I'm like right on the cusp because I'm 2000. It's really hard to tell if I'm millennial or um, Gen Z. But a lot of people who are in that Gen Z and they are really embracing the technology that we are given to fully express themselves. Not everybody is going to be on a authentic path, like you're saying, but it really is inspiring to see people taking their own future into their own hands and making a living out of just being a creator. Um, so is that something that you would recommend, you know, starting? Absolutely. <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah. I mean, and what I want to say is just to add to what you're saying is, um, but they will follow their nature and it will lead them to the truth. It will lead them to the truth. So I, I do think I've, I have kind of like a radical uh, realignment and understanding of, you know, how do you get people to willingly go searching for the true thing instead of trying to force them in line for it. Right. Mm -hmm. And that's where culture comes in because there's no way that uh, on a Saturday morning, people woke up and they're like, you know what we need? We need some LGBTQ heroes on television. And you know, that that's a very slow road of cultural changing. They won those battles. They won those battles by slowly. There's a Chinese saying it only takes two hands to unravel the carpet. And so all the values and all the things that hold society together have been unraveled. You got to hand it to the other team. 
Mm-hmm. It really outplayed us. You know, they outplayed everybody. They set up a great system. They have all power. Everything's under their control. And there's nothing you can do about it. You know what I mean? But there is something you can do about it. You can go to the other side. You just ignore. Don't give them the attention. Don't tune into the shows. And purposely tune into the shows of your fellow peers creating things which are more, I don't want to say wholesome, truthful. Mm-hmm. Or truthful about the experience. You know, you can tell LGBTQ stories, but they don't have to be, you know, as Andrew Breitbart, a very famous, you know, uh, guy who started Breitbart News. uh, There's a lot of things that are just known. There's no way you can make a movie with a uh, LGBTQ bad character, a serial Mm -hmm. killer, a a villain. They're always going to be the best friend. They're always going to be the the heroic person that, that you were always waiting for because storytelling is very powerful and all it does is it teaches the audience that these are the great people these are the people you know so you can take those values and you can put them on any character but to choose over and over it's that's that's what i mean by changing the culture so Mm -hmm. you can't young people can't go to nbc and be like i gotta change the culture and i want to do this thing that's uh you know it's about a religious family no they have a little religious family channel they can put you on so that nobody sees it but just the select group of people you're trying to reach or you can just put it out into the world not try to get rich off it but your show might actually catch on and become the popular culture over time when enough people become independent entirely in their expression uh, of anything they create that's artistic mm-hmm. yeah that's very empowering um I always do see like the people who are doing it, not for the wrong reasons, but who have the wrong mindset in starting out. Like I'm going to make $100,000 off of this TV show or, you know, YouTube channel. Um, They're usually the ones that don't make it very far because they're they're doing it with such a limited mindset. Um, And that's part of the reason why I started this podcast too, was not for fame and fortune, but just to share the truth whenever I can. And so, like you said about changing the culture, are there people that you've met in your journey that are not going with that mindset, but who have a background that you align with, if that makes sense? Well, yes, there's a bunch. I mean, I'm starting some things right now. I'm sure you know, I, <laughs> you know, actor Matt Davis uh, was in my movie Tigerland. He was just here. We're about to launch a whole platform that is, uh, and he's, he had the same Catholic conversion as myself, by the way. Um, that's the one podcast episode of mine you should listen to. It's a little rated R, but he really talks about what it's like to be a celebrity. And, uh, something he said that was just incredible was he remembers being like at the buffet table of, you know, wealth and everything tasting like powder to him and like dry bread where everyone else is just enjoying, you know, the empty calories you could say. So yeah, there's platforms that are being built. There's a group of people in New York that I've identified that I'm really cultivating and and drawing them in and they're called folk filmmakers Mm -hmm. and no budget filmmakers. And there's these movements and, you know, the movements are everywhere now. It doesn't have to be in Soho. It it can be anywhere. You know, we got more space out here. I'd love to see some folk filmmakers in Pennsylvania that figure out I got an iPhone and I can make a movie and I can edit it and I can do the sound and I can, I can release these things for $500 and they can be like little tiny short films. And, um, there's going to be ways to monetize those that don't involve YouTube. And that's kind of what I'm working on. So yes, I can't give too much of it away, but um, yeah, we're building something like that. But a lot of people are because it is the new business. There's the ability to have a concept for something very high end special effects driven, and then contact a guy in Norway, 
pay him like $500 and he does a special effects scene and emails it to you. There's, you know, you can download music. You can have somebody's songs that you license for 99 cents. It's all available. And I think the confusion and the chaos of what the storylines of the shows are all about and the self-absorption of the people who are like, I'm just going to mine this for $100,000 and get attention. That person's following their nature too, but they're also distracted from the real potential. Mm. And they want it that way. They want it that way. They don't want anyone to compete. So here, oh yeah, get rich, get famous kids. Yeah, get a million likes. You can get a million downloads. It doesn't mean anything. Money has to be spent. Advertising money is really hard to get. I know one one of these guys I track, he makes $20,000 on YouTube once in a while, but it's such a high threshold that it's, it's intentionally hard to reach. Yeah, absolutely. That's incredible. I'm excited to see where that goes. Um, maybe you can give a personal inside look just to me. Oh, sure. Absolutely. <laughs> well, I'll tell you what it's called. It's called Bloxy. That's and awesome. it's just it's just a new platform. So just keep that in mind. Keep that in the back of your head. Yeah. You can find there's a Twitter account, but it only has a few followers right now. But there are some some people that I'm sure you're fans of that are behind it. Oh, I'm excited to see. That's awesome. And Matt Davis, he's he's awesome. But for people who don't know, what, what were some of the movies that he was in? Well, I mean, I met him on his very first film, which was Tigerland. Most people probably know him from Legally Blonde. Um, they just had their 20th anniversary. He is Ehrlich Saltzman. I guess I'm saying it right on the Vampire Diaries series. Yeah. And he's been on that for 12 years now. So he did the series with Paul Wesley and Ian Summerhalder, and they were all the regular cast. And now he's on Legacies on CW. And, uh, they just got renewed, so he was up here, and now he's back getting ready to shoot his last season of that, potentially. That's awesome. That's so cool. I mean, it's a friend, fun friendship, I'm sure. Oh, yeah. Well, he actually liked it here, and his, his family is like, you know, he's like, I think I need to buy a little piece of farmland up here. It's really, there's a, he said there's a lot of good creative energy where we live. Oh, I'm I'm glad. I need to yeah, buy right? too. <laughs> That's so awesome. So I know you're an author, too. Kind of walk us through some of your books that you have. Well, I mean, my whole desire to be an author only comes from uh, a desire to tell stories. And I have sold a lot of screenplays that nobody will ever see because when you sell a screenplay, you can get a lot of money and the script is, is handled by like a development person, right? It's like a person has a slate and a budget. And then let's say in the year 2014, I go in and I pitch to this guy at Universal and he buys it and it becomes part of his package of things he's working on that he's been authorized to work on. But then something goes wrong like six months down the line and he gets fired and the next executive comes in. He doesn't want any of his projects to go forward. So he gets his own new slate going and he doesn't want anything to do with anything that that other guy got because it's that competitive. It's like, you know, it's like baseball card trading. Well, I came up with that movie and now it's the number one hit. So you owe me more money. That's the game they're playing. Wow. So I realized, wow, my creative writing is going to be stuck within the whims of these power battles of people so far above me that there's nothing I can do. You can work your butt off on something and then have it all disappear out of politics. That has nothing to do with you. Right. So I said, man, I should, I should really self publish a book. I put it off for a long time. And then when we moved to this area and Reagan started playing golf, a fantasy story came out of it. And I said, you know, let me do my, let me experiment and see what I can do. So I wrote this children's book with a golf coach here who helped me understand the sport a little bit just to see how different the process was. And it's very, very different. Mm -hmm. A screenplay, one page, 
of the screenplay is one minute of camera time. There's a lot of space. You know, there's just the camera is looking at at Sophia from a high angle and her hand is twiddling something. You just write things like that down. Right. Yeah. And you're you're and then the director and the actors, they all make it happen. A uh, novel is different. You have to really explain the story, draw people in. So I started small and I lucked out, totally lucked out, wrote a great book. Uh, and it was uh, named one of the indie books of the year when I released it. And it won a very prestigious literary award from Kirkus in New York uh, as a, one of the best independent published book, books. So I got really, really excited. And I was like, oh, OK, I, I think I can do this now. It's a lot harder, way harder than writing a screenplay. But I dove in and I had this other really killer screenplay that I couldn't sell for political reasons. And it'll make perfect sense when I tell you what it is. <laughs> it was China and the United States right. in a war on the moon. And it was just a fun, fun, fun action movie. So I'm like, ah, all right, I'm going to I'm going to do that one next. Nobody's going to Hollywood's not going to stop me with their politics. So I published Crisis Moon uh, a year and a half ago, and it didn't come out, in my opinion, as good as my first book, but it taught me a lot of stuff. So it's just a fast paced action book. It's not it's not full of like memorable, heavy moments or things that make you go, wow, I really that was a great book. It's just pure action. Right. So I just finished my third novel, which is actually a secret Catholic novel, mm -hmm. and it's called Omim. And uh, the, the premise is pretty simple. Aliens exist. We know they exist. It's illegal to try and make contact with them. In the future, this book is set for some rebels, some peaceful people have got themselves a spaceship and they go, we're going to go introduce ourselves because we have to go in peace for all mankind. And the story is really about a guy who's sent to stop them from doing that. And he gets stuck on the ship with a beautiful girl. And they land on this planet together. And you find out that the Omim are diabolical aliens that claim to have killed God. Wow. However, however, one of God's offspring is there to defeat the Omim. Hmm. Interesting, incredible. right? Yeah. yeah. Wow. And what happens and how that's all revealed is the story. So I do believe it's one of the better things I've written and I'm releasing it this fall. I'm getting the covers this week. I get my covers from a, a company in New Zealand called Demonza, just to teach people who might listen to this, that you do farm out things in a professional manner and you get professional work back and you can really up your independent game to make it indistinguishable from major corporate products. That's so crazy. Wow. I mean, I was in the pursuit of writing a novel, I would say two years ago, and I never realized how much work really went into it. I see all this like, you know, everybody has such a good book and I'm like, I can never measure up to that. But um, I, I'm so excited for your books. That's going to be awesome. So well, you can measure up to it. You have to understand that writing is rewriting. Yeah. And, you, and most people enter that whole world thinking that they have to be good at first. And every first draft I've ever written is terrible. You would never be able to read it. But I know where it's going. And, and so it's, it's, it's work through it. And also don't take the lid off it and let people have tastes of your story. It diminishes its power in your own brain. Mm -hmm. you, you can't be like, what do you think of these first 10 pages? Like, that's the worst thing you can ever do. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and that's what everybody does, too. That's so true. <laughs> so I'm so excited um, to read your new book. I, I still have to read Crisis Moon, not going to lie. But um, that's oh, no, awesome. don't worry. That's I mean, I'm not saying I'm not saying it's a bad book, but I'm just saying I got it out. I got it out of my system. Pure action movie. It's not really. It's more like airport. You're just on your way. You read it on the subway. It's not like Puddle Club, which I tried to write a good book with some meaning, mm -hmm. something to some, you know, a, a takeaway for the audience. 
Omim has got a real big takeaway. It's like a it's the first science fiction pro-life movie anyone's ever going to see because it's pro-life without you knowing it. I mean, I don't want to give I don't want to give anything about the book away, but let's just say the aliens have figured out a way to survive forever. Mm. And uh, it has something to do with that. And then we, you know, that's all. I can't say anymore. I don't want to get, yeah. I don't want to ruin it. <laughs> no, but that's so amazing. I'll, I I need to see the movie version of that too. Though, yeah, yeah, said. for sure. <laughs> um, well, this has been so amazing. Do you have any other last words of advice for people who are maybe looking to get into the industry and are maybe either skeptical or, you know, just need a change of heart? Well, my advice is, and I say, take this, very seriously because i i am saying it from the place that of authority Mm -hmm. um i am definitely telling you the truth the business is over Mm -hmm. you have to be independent creator you have to be independent minded and you have to forge your own way and that is the new way and there's nothing wrong with it there's not you know but you gotta people should get that glint out of their eyes where they're like if this then that it's no it's if I make a good show, I can probably get an audience and then that audience will download my show and I can make money. And you have to have a scaled down reality and a scaled down expectation. And then everything is going to make sense. But when people think that, you know, I I want that house that Jay-Z has, that world ended. And thank God, because it was a real bad world that led to all the things I was telling telling you about, you know, that incentivizes the worst in human nature. Mm to sort of throw each other under the bus to get it. So stay independent and and be aware that scaled down success is the real success. And I know that sounds counterintuitive, but you wanna stay good here and you wanna stay free in your mind and, and you can contaminate it by aiming at the wrong target. So make sure you have the right target, which is little, local and high quality amazing yeah i know that's such great advice so last question where can people connect with you learn more about your books and any upcoming projects well you can go to my my book publishing label is hoselbooks.com h-o-s-e-l-b-o-o-k-s i have a blog i have uh michael mcgruther blog but also more, more importantly as i have started a movement called sub pop culture and that is subpopcult.com if you go to that website, you'll see my manifesto. It's kind of the stuff I'm saying here, uh, where it's just like, we're only going to fix the culture if you and I become folk storytellers again, mm-hmm. folk musicians, and we agree to look to each other for entertainment instead of to the corporations. So everything's there. My podcast's there. All the innovating, interesting little filmmakers that I find, I review their movies there. Um, one guy, and I would, I think everybody should watch it. Everybody who listens to this podcast, go watch this movie. You can find it on my website. It's called Pretend That You Love Me. It's by a guy named Joel Haver. You won't think much at first, but trust me, go through that film and you're going to see something really, really special. I'm the only person who reviewed him in the entire world. He's got 300,000 downloads, only about 30 dislikes. Everybody loves his work. And I look at the analytics of people who come to my site to find his movie global, global audience. And it's all about wanting to be loved. So. It's going to seem strange and bizarre, but watch it. That's that's what I end this podcast on is watch, pretend that you love me, and realize that is the success. That's incredible. I need to go watch it. <laughs> it's free. So it's great. free online. It's free. Oh, free is the best, though. Yeah, <laughs> I love yeah. it. You'll find it on my webpage, and it's free, and everybody can watch it. 
Yes. Well, all of those links will be down below for the show notes and you guys can check them out. So Mr. McGruther, thank you so much for giving us so much wisdom. I'm so thankful. My pleasure. And anytime you want to reconnect and do this again, when something happens, that's cool. I'm always available and you know, we'll have to get our families together very soon Yeah, when the world gets a little bit more, you know, unridiculous (laughs) like it is these days. So thank you so much for having me on. You're so welcome. And thank you guys for tuning into this week's episode of Here and Now podcast. Have a wonderful week and we will see you next time. Bye-bye.